Hello, everyone, again on this uh, Thanksgiving Eve. We are here because we need to be here. This is an important day, and we're going to have an important conversation today on Battleground PA. It's Joyce Davis, Penn Life's Outreach and Opinion Editor. And yes, this is Battleground PA. Stay tuned. We'll have our trusted analysts, Rajette Harris and Jeffrey Lord, join us in just a second. Get ready for what's bound to be an enlightening conversation. This is Battleground PA, a Penn Live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections. All right, we are back and we are taping this uh, Battleground PA as part of a Facebook Live. So we're going to be taking in some questions from people who are watching this morning. But this is an important day. We have learned uh, only recently that Pennsylvania has officially certified Joe Biden as winner of the presidential election in 2020. And look, Rajette Harris, I'm sure our Democratic pundit is very excited about that. But I think Jeffrey Lord has some other uh, things to tell us. He's our Republican analyst and a Trump loyalist. So I want to welcome you guys. Welcome, Jeffrey. How are you today? I'm fine. I must say I'm disappointed to learn that uh, some guy named Tony Blinken is going to be Secretary of State instead of Rajette. That, well, <laughs> we all have been talking about that. <laughs> How are you, Rajette? How are you today? I'm good. And Jeffrey, I'm being considered for something else. So oh, well, that's good. <laughs> I'd hold out for the Pentagon. There you go. There you go. Look, they could do a whole lot worse. But listen, let's talk about it. I think maybe one place to begin is what does certification mean? Rochette, can you walk us through the process of uh, determining, you know, First, you, you get the unofficial results. Then you get the official results. Then you get this break in the certification. So tell us a little bit about that process to, to, for our readers. Each county uh, certifies the votes. And it's the individual counties that actually count the votes within that individual that county. And then those uh, the commissioners uh, vote to, quote, certify those votes at the commissioner's meeting. I know that uh, took place in Dauphin County uh, very recently. Um, where it was actually two against uh, one was certifying uh, the votes here in Dauphin County. And then that information is sent to the Department of State. And then once every county does that, then the governor is able to sign the certification that the counts were indeed uh, voted and counted and verified. Now, what do you mean two against one? I, I didn't quite get that. Each uh, county has three uh, commissioners. And in Dauphin County, uh, two of our commissioners, uh, Mike Priest, who's Republican, and George Hartwick, who's a Democrat, voted to certify the uh, results. And uh, Jeff Haste, who is Republican, voted to not. So it was two against one. Oh, I, okay. So, so basically where we are now, Jeffrey, am I right that at least officially Joe Biden is the president-elect, at least the, the winner in Pennsylvania? Is that correct? Well, according to the governor and the secretary of state, uh, but it's in dispute and there will be a hearing today. I, I've learned last night in Gettysburg, uh, held by the Pennsylvania State Senate to investigate uh, all of this. And I am told that uh, Rudy Giuliani, the former New York mayor, who is the president's uh, chief counsel on this, is going to be in attendance and testifying. 
I don't know really anything beyond that other than I was just told that it's full. <laughs> so I may have my nose pressed up against the glass, but I'm going to go. Now, Jeffrey, what, what does this really mean? I mean, what are you expecting to come out of this? Are you expecting that? They, because they've, honestly, they've been everyone's been looking to see what the proof is and whether this proof will come out in courts of law. There have been so many trials. That it's, I mean, I, I, I don't have to tell you, I, I have a, a quote here from... Um, you know, from a judge uh, that, that just is scathing in, um, in in its condemnation of, I mean, he, he, the, the guy says one might expect, this is Judge Matthew Brand of the U.S. District Court in the Middle District of Pennsylvania. He says one might expect that when seeking such a startling outcome, a plaintiff would come formidably armed with compelling legal arguments and factual proof of rampant corruption such that this court would have no option but to, he goes on and on and he basically says, that didn't happen. What more? I well, mean, apparently, they presented it in the court apparently, of law. The, apparently the judge has not been watching the television coverage of the counting in Philadelphia. There were no observers at no, the but a judge, But a judge wouldn't do that. A judge would say, bring into this court the proof. And that's what we do. We don't base it on people talking on TV or people talking on the streets. In a court no, 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 no. We, we base it on whether or not there are observers at the tables allowed to count the ballots, allowed to observe no, the No, I, I think we're ballots. talking about two different things here. I think we're talking about if this is really happening, why wasn't it introduced <clears throat> and, and, and argued in a court of law in some convincing fashion? I mean, you have people like... Um, your guy, what's the guy, the governor, um, who was his staunch supporter, Trump's supporter, saying it's an embarrassment. Rajat, who, 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 Chris Christie, uh, Governor Chris Christie. Right. I, I'm just baffled. I'm baffled that all of these people that should be, you know, basically. Joyce, let, let, me, let, let, okay. me, let, me, let me say this. I, okay. I have been, uh, number one, I read the, the one of the early Pennsylvania lawsuits, 86 pages of it, with, that has chapter and verse in there about fraud. I've also taken the time uh, and learned exactly why I'm not a lawyer and didn't want to be a lawyer. Uh, I learned uh, by reading the affidavits, hundreds of affidavits in Michigan. Now, these are these are poll workers describing how they were physically blocked from observing the, the ballots, that they couldn't see them, that people linked arms and stood three abreast to keep them from doing their job. I mean, incident after incident, they were physically harassed and pushed, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Jeff, I, I get you. My husband practiced law for many years, including criminal law, and he would tell me, you know what? I don't know what. They say all of this stuff when they're talking to me, when they get in the court of law. It turns out to be a completely different story. So, what? Well, there's all I can you say, know? Joyce, is there were hundreds of them, and they were legally certified uh, affidavits. Right. Well, let me bring you into this. I mean, I'm sure you've been watching this. It's 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 a little strange. I mean, weren't you expecting some evidence of something with all of these accusations going on? Are you asking me? Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I did not expect any evidence because the Trump campaign has been asked by many judges throughout the country, Pennsylvania as well, to produce evidence of fraud. Uh, this was back uh, late summer after our June primary. They were asked to produce evidence that there was fraud during our June 2nd primary. They never produced any. Um, so, no, I did not expect any evidence. Uh, this is a total waste of time for everyone. 
um, including including them. Um, I'm not going to say <clears throat> that there weren't any irregularities. I'm sure there was. Um, the Georgia, uh, the state of Georgia did not just a recount, but also an audit. And yes, irregularities did appear. With that said, it wasn't enough to overturn the election results. I don't understand why. And I still would like to let everyone know that even though we do have a Democratic governor, the governor and the Department of State do not run our elections. They are run by our individual counties. And out of the 67 counties, the majority of them are Republican-led, including the counties that we live in. So. And yet, yeah, and yet you just said, uh, Jeffrey, she, she did say that one of the Republicans, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, did not certify, voted not to, or just simply abstained, I'm assuming. What's the, what's the reason? Does he also believe that there's some problem? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with what his, his thought process was for Dauphin County, but quite clearly there's a, there's a double standard here which goes to equal protection. If Democrat counties can allow people to cure their ballots, but it's not allowed in Republican counties, that's a problem right there. Well, I, I'm just saying for me, as, as someone who's observing this, I'm not connected you know, with, with, with any campaign. I just would have expected when it gets into a court of law, you would have people presenting evidence that can withstand Stand scrutiny, and that doesn't appear to have happened. And well, a federal judge just threw out one of the Trump's uh, campaign's lawsuits just last week here in Pennsylvania. A federal judge, and these are federal judges, some of which were appointed, uh, are nominated by President Trump because there is no evidence of widespread a fraud. I don't understand the resistance to having an audit in Pennsylvania. What what is the problem with that? If there's nothing to hide, do it. You said the same thing about Georgia, though, and there was an audit, and it didn't it didn't turn out uh, in and, the president current president's way. Controversial in Georgia as to how it was conducted. I mean, that's also a fact. Yeah, speak up a little bit, Jeffrey, so we can make sure we hear you in the yeah. microphone. Uh, okay, so basically, where we are, where we are right now, and this is just a fact: Pennsylvania, as well as what Georgia and other states, are certifying Joe Biden as the winner which means we now have an official transition process underway, right? Am I right about that? It is underway, yes. including the president of the United States, President Donald Trump, has authorized his uh, government workers to cooperate and to begin that process. Is that correct, Jeffrey? Yes, that's my understanding. Okay. And Rajette, so we yes. agree on that. We are in a transition process. However, uh, basically, you're saying, uh, Jeffrey, that there's more to come. And I see some of our uh, Trump supporters are saying there's more to come. Trump is not done yet. But we are in the position that we're looking at people around the world as well as in this country ready to kind of move on. So we're going to take a little <clears throat> bit of a break, two second break, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about where that transition process stands and at least who we're looking at to take over the reins of power in some of these uh, uh, offices. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, that was quick. We're right back. It's Joyce Davis, Pin Lives Outreach and Opinion Editor. We're here with another Battleground PA taping, doing it also on Facebook Live and allowing our readers to uh, chime in on this. But uh, if you want to join us, there are two ways. You can send an email at topics at battlegroundpa.org or join us right here and put your comments in the Facebook live chat box or Twitter. 
at Battleground PA. So, okay, so we are in a transition process. We agree with that. Regette, can you talk a little bit about the big deal nominees that, that are there and what that is? Well, just talk about who's there, what do you know about them, beginning maybe with the Secretary of State. Um, well, what I find, well, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, uh, uh, Joe Biden has been um, in government for a very long time, um, whether it was in the Senate and a former vice president. So he's pulling from the people that he's worked with in the past. Right. Uh, many of these individuals have been in the um, Obama administration and former administrations and whatnot. Um, to me, the most interesting choice is Janet Yellen um, okay. for Treasurer, Treasury Secretary. Because when she was with the Reserve Board, you know, she went against the big banks and whatnot a lot. I think she's a pick that um, both progressives and moderates within the Democrat Party can can get behind. Well, we also have just so we'll go over. We have Anthony uh, Blinken, who's uh, Secretary of State. He was Deputy Secretary of State under President Obama. We have Alejandro Mayorkas, who's Homeland Security Secretary, and he was Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security under Obama. We have Ron Klain as chief of staff. He was chief of staff to Vice President Joe Biden. And we have an interesting pick, I someone I'm looking at, Linda Thomas-Greenfield for UN ambassador. Uh, so, I mean, these are fascinating picks, clearly diverse. But, Jeffrey, as you're looking at this, what do you see as alarm bells, or what, or what is it that you really think is a good pick? What is it's, not, it's nothing that I didn't expect. It's the Obama third term or AKA return of the swamp. <laughs> um, I mean, these people have been around the block and around the block and around the block. They're all insiders. Uh, this is who they are. And I, guess, and I, I frankly guess didn't I expect like. anything. Yeah, I guess what I don't like is using the bad terminology. I mean, these are decent people. There's no reason to defame them, calling them swamp. Again, there's no need for that. You can disagree with policies, Jeffrey. You and I normally hear, but you don't have to call names to people. This Joy, is trying to, some of us are trying to move away from that style of politics. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, each other civil to, you don't have to do that to challenge their record. Joyce, or with all due respect, position. they didn't want to move around, move away from it when Donald Trump was president-elect. They spent four years oh, trying I'm just, to... I'm just, I'm just calling you on it. You can continue it, but you're a nice guy. You don't do that with us. And we would, I, I don't want to do it with anyone. would like to set a new tone. I mean, Rajat, part of what people are saying is that at the very least we're seeing a new tone set with uh, President-elect Biden. That <laughs> the first press conferences at least seem to be reaching out in civil. Do you see that continuing? Well, there's a lot of change. Um, you know, President Trump was America first. Um, some people, and I would argue Joe Biden was one of those individuals that saw America first as America only. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, uh, the president-elect Biden is changing the tone of that. He has more of a collaborative approach uh, with other countries. Um, so I do expect that change within this new administration. Um, so we have to remember, though, that there's 74 million people who <laughs> may disagree with that approach. What I like about uh, President-elect Biden, at least in his interviews and press conferences thus far, is that he's striking a tone to try to bring people who voted against him on board to his plan. Now, I admit it's going to take time. I'm not saying it's going to happen automatically, but he's not taking an arrogant tone as I won, so you have to abide by my rule. He's trying to explain his, his plan now. 
Um, his picks so far um, are very experienced, obviously, um, but I do think he has to be careful to not be called Obama 2.0 or that this is the third uh, Obama administration uh, term by bringing in some of his own people and uh, not just those that worked with him and the former president uh, during that administration. But there's a lot more cabinet picks to go. Um, yep. So I, I do think so far he he's doing a good job and it's well, what we would expect from him. Right. Well, also, I think I, I heard someone ask him, one of the uh, journalists asked, asked Joe Biden if he planned to bring in any Republicans into his um, administration. And he said, yes. I mean, Jeffrey, would there be someone you would recommend or you would suggest or you'd be looking for him to pick? Donald Trump. Why do I suspect that that's not going to happen? Um, uh, that would be the ultimate team of rivalry, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. Well, listen, people, uh, Mary is saying people in the world who are uh, world are ready to move on. There are 73 million Americans who voted for Trump who are ready to move on, lady, who are not ready to move on, lady. Thanks for calling me a lady or is that a lady? <laughs> What we're what we're saying is yes, there are many people who yearn, and in fact, it would look like the majority who yearn for let us move on. But also, and this is where I'm, I, you know, I want to make sure that um, we move on together as much as we can. I'm going to be looking for ways that the Biden administration can reach out to Republicans and to people on the other side, so that. We can't look. You can't bring everybody along, right, Jeffrey? But you can bring reasonable people like Jeffrey along and talk and figure out how we can address some of these issues, right, Jeffrey? Are you looking for some signs? Once this is all clear, you're clear that President Trump has to leave. Would you be looking for certain people to be a part of the administration, the new administration? Oh, I'm sure there are some Republicans that that would consider it. Yeah, uh, I don't know how well that would be received with the, the base of the Republican Party as it is today. Or the Democratic. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's a very good point, Rochette. I mean, I, I think that uh, the Bernie Sanders wing, if you will, and I thought I saw a headline this morning that Biden had indicated that uh, neither Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren were going to be part of his team, which I thought was uh, interesting, if that's accurate. Um, there is that tension within the Democratic Party and within the Biden administration, uh, the AOCs of the world. And I frankly don't know how or if they're going to be able to resolve it. Well, you know, that that's a very that's a very good, uh, good point, because here's the thing, Rajat, you just touched on it a little bit. The, the progressives are now looking to push. Right. Right. And you have more moderates who want to make sure we reach out to Republicans. We and yet the progressives are saying, wait, you can't compromise too much. Wait a minute. So how I mean, how what are you looking at as you see this battle shaping up even within the Democratic Party? It all depends on Georgia, to be honest. I really think that instead of wasting time on these fruitless lawsuits, the Republican Party needs to be focused on the Georgia special election because that's going to determine what can and cannot uh, get accomplished. Um, but I do think that uh, President-elect Biden needs to strike a balance. I understand he has to reach across the aisle and bring people in, but he can't forget his base, too, meaning the people who got him elected. Mm -hmm. And he, there are a lot of progressives that did get elected 
in the House, and he's going to need their votes if he is going to try to get that public option with health care, if he is going to deal with student loan debt, climate change, um, different items with the economy. So he's going to have to find a way to include progressives in his um, administration. Now, I never expected Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders to be those picks. To be honest, my personal opinion is because of how close we are in the Senate, and we did lose some seats in the House. I don't think we should remove our people from those offices um, because we people are going to start running again in about three <laughs> three months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or three months, how about three days. <laughs> <laughs> three days. So we have to we have to keep in mind our balance, right? Um, so we need Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders in the Senate. That's basically what I'm saying. But he can't forget the progressive base as he puts his his cabinet together. Well, and Jeffrey, that is what I think some of, of the people on the other side are worried about. We have Linda saying, "I am not moving on to a drift to socialism." People are worried that um, Biden, however centrist he may actually be, will be pushed too far by some of the progressives. Is that your concern as well? Well, I just, it's not so much a concern. I just think it's a reality. I, I just think that he, he is going to have to deal with this. This, I mean, just for historical perspective, as I think I mentioned the other week, you know, I, I was seeing this in 1972 when I was in college and the struggle between the Edmund Muskies, like the Joe Bidens of the world and the George McGoverns of the world. And that, that sort of, uh, rift is still there uh bill clinton seemed to cover it over and get it you know dispatched to some considerable degree but i think the irony is that the obama years sort of opened it up again and so here it is and they're going to have to deal with it right well let's move on a little bit i mean jim is saying uh numbers don't lie and that we had some other ones saying why move on i mean clearly we're seeing um a concern of some people that they really don't want, as Jeffrey is saying, that they really want to continue the battle. But, 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 but I think at some point we're going to have to say this is it. I mean, this is we're moving on. We're, the country has to move on, etc. We're going through yeah. the stages of grief right now, so uh, I think <laughs> we're still in denial. All right. Well, they say uh, Pedro says you're telling the truth, so <laughs> let's stay with you. And I thank you, Pedro. As we're looking at. Um, at the picks and at what you know of Joe Biden. Look, the world is looking. I know I've talked to people now overseas who are looking for change and things like our participation in, the, in climate control measures, uh, our participation in the WHO and all of that. But domestically, what do you see as some policies that simply might change under a Biden administration as you're looking forward, Regent? And again, it all depends on what happens with the U.S. Senate, Um, because if it stays in Republican hands, I'm concerned that we're going to continue the deadlock. Uh And, um, you know, uh, they came out today that over 700,000 Americans last week had to file for unemployment benefits again. Uh So we're still dealing with the economy. I don't to me, that's one of the biggest the first issues he's going to have to deal with. And as we all know, I've been one for our elected officials to strike that balance. And I did see in his first interview that he is talking about the economy. We can't just look at the stock market numbers. You know, we have to look at who can afford the rent, the mortgage, food on their table. That's those are the numbers we need to look at, not what's going on in the stock market. And I do think um, because of his background that he will look at that more than the current president has. 
Well, then, so I think that's going to be an issue that's going to be on the agenda for sure. Well, the, the, in terms of the economy, I mean, I think he's just going to rely on the old Democratic playbook. He's going to raise taxes on Americans. And it isn't just people who make 400000 and over. If you're going to eliminate the Trump tax cuts, you're going to raise the taxes of people who make far less than that. And as far as the stock market goes, the stock market is filled with pension money and 401ks for average Americans. So this has been a very, very productive time. And uh, I do think that he is going to institute policies that will st slowly start to crash this. So you're predicting that we're going to have just a horrible time under a President Biden, right? I mean, you're concerned about the economy under President Biden. I, I am concerned. I mean, the economy is always my first concern. That and then, you know, in terms of the world, peace through strength and that sort of thing. Uh, but I, I, I just think that for understandable reasons, it's always the first concern of the American people. You know, do they have a job? Do they have income, et cetera? Right. But then this shouldn't be a partisan issue. This should be something that both sides should work together. I know um, well, you don't, here in Pennsylvania the, with the budget, I'm sure both of you saw that the CARES Act money, instead of giving them to struggling businesses and American workers, the government is using it to fill in their own um, budget holes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you again, it's that balance. We can't be upset with people who are upset with the restrictions that are putting on, but then you put restrictions on people, but you don't give money, you don't give them money to help keep them going until those restrictions are, restrictions are lifted. And that's a bipartisan problem that we're having. And I'm hoping that when Joe Biden comes in, he will start to strike that balance. Money given to states by the federal government should be used for the purposes that the states receive. Mm -hmm. And the that's problem. a Rajat opinion. I, I have to speak for myself on this right. because I know some of these business owners who are struggling and who are concerned. And yet, um, and yet honestly, guys, you can't, the economy is not going to rebound until we have this virus under control. I mean, we can, we can, we can, uh, you know, force people to put masks. We can, we can let the businesses stay open. People, I'm not going into a business and I spend a lot of money on businesses where I'm not going into one until I know the virus is contained. You see what I'm saying? That has to be the first step, containing the virus, Jeffrey. That is something I would assume you see Biden perhaps uh, differing because he is for masks. He is for containing the virus first. You, you see that policy? Change? Well, in terms of the virus being contained, it's Donald Trump who arranged to get this vaccine done ASAP. Uh, so Joe Biden is going to be able to thank President Trump for that. Uh, I, I am already calling them the Trump shots. I like that. I like exactly. That. Did you get your Trump shot yet? And Joyce, I will check in with you. And guess just to what? To make sure you got it. Guess what? Because you called it that, I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> sure, I'm going to get it until I'm, I'm shot. There's no politics involved in it at but, all. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, though, we can't wait for these Trump shots to come in because during January, people may, if Congress doesn't act, they may be evicted from their homes from not being able to pay their rent and their mortgage for previous months. Yep. So, you know, those are the issues that I'm, that me personally, that I'm concerned about. And I, I think the Democrat party is concerned about and, and that we need to address first. Yeah. Um, you know, the virus is a concern public health wise, but we can't ignore 
the economic effects of that virus on people. Right. And I think you have extremes on both sides. And I'm hoping that Joe Biden will be the measured voice in the middle to address both simultaneously so that Americans don't suffer anymore. Right. Uh, Pam is saying Trump shot. She loves it. Okay. <laughs> she loves it. But, but, uh, but here's the thing that concerns me. Shelly is saying the virus will always be here and we need to move on with our lives. Shelly is one of those folks, it seems like, who simply is going, you know, ignores it, I'm assuming, and just thinks she can continue. But these, these are, unfortunately, it's that attitude that is causing this significant increase in the number of people. And, and frankly, guys, we just learned today, and I want to say this here, of the death of a, a community activist who was just so well-known and so well-loved in Hartsburg, Reggie Guy, uh, has now died of COVID-19. Um, and this is something that I think it's taking so many of our of our leaders as well. Jeffrey, I'm sorry you wanted to say something. Well, I, I just, Joyce, I mean, just human history uh, says to me that, that uh, Shelley is, in essence, right. We will get through this. This will become very manageable. There will be a vaccine. And this will recede just as earlier epidemics like yellow fever or polio or what have you. Uh, or the flu in today's world. You get a flu shot and, uh, you know, life goes on. And that is what will happen here. I mean, I don't know, you know, whether it's tomorrow or December or January, but it will, in fact, begin to happen and we will move on. It will, in fact. I see part of it. Can, can I just ahead. inject yeah, real please. quick? Um, I do agree with her that this is something that we're going to have to live with. As we know, there's a lot of diseases and viruses uh, cancer, that you name it, that we, as unfortunately, as humans, have to live at with. But there are precautions that we may have to modify our behavior uh, since it's it's something new that we do have to live with, meaning we don't know if it's ever going to just completely disappear because there's a vaccine. You brought up the flu. There are still people, unfortunately, that uh, right. die from the flu. But we have medications and we do have the flu shot that can help keep those numbers as low as possible. Right. So, you know, this could be another situation. But until we get to that point, we still have to take it seriously. Well, let's talk That's about how economic policies might be impacted or might change. I mean, here, Chris is saying money for people's rent should be paid directly to the landlord. People have a history of spending the free money on what they want. So we're talking about, do we expect that a stimulus, another stimulus will come in and that Biden might do something if not President Trump? How is that looking now? Jeffrey, is, is, is the president looking to try to help people now and to try to push this? Sure, I think something, something will happen here. I mean, no matter how this turns out in terms of the election, uh, there is a stimulus for the stimulus. <laughs> and I and I, I do think that people will get this resolved one way or another. You're more optimistic than I am. Um, I really think it depends on what happens January 5th with that Georgia race. The Congress uh, and the President Trump have been deadlocked for months now. This should have been a stimulus, a second stimulus package months and months ago. They, they're not even negotiating and talking to each other anymore. Um, I really think it depends what happens in Georgia. And if things stay that the way they are, I, I'm not optimistic that it changes. I don't know. Reject. I, they, they, people need to put their own personal feelings aside and really do what's, what's the best. We lost the public service in public service. 
people aren't there for themselves. They're there to represent the people that elected them there. And we need to get back to that public service. I don't know how to do that. Maybe take away their salaries. (laughs) Here's what Leticia saying. She says, I wish we could bring it on a full humanity level and care. Again, about our fellow citizens. We, the people, are most important. All people. That was well said, Leticia. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. And, you know, let's let's zero in here on, because you keep bringing this up, uh, Rajette. Obviously, this Georgia thing is on your mind. Georgia, Georgia. Georgia. (laughs) All right. So, So let's talk about this. Jeffrey, is Georgia on the president's mind? Is he going to be there trying to fight for these uh, senators, for these people to make sure that the Republicans maintain control of the Senate? I I would imagine I would imagine he will in in some form or fashion. Uh, I mean, I've already seen Don Trump Jr. tweeting out about this and how important it is. I, I am sure. I mean, there are not many Republicans who think it's a good idea to lose two Senate seats particularly under these circumstances. So I, I can imagine, at least as I understand it this morning, every Republican known to man, including the vice president, have been to Georgia or are going to Georgia. So uh, other than Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day, I imagine you're just going to see them uh, a steady parade of this. So, Rajette, what what's the Democrats' plan for Georgia? I know we, we've got people down there and then they know how important it is, but what, I mean, Turnout again is, is important, but people right. generally turn out for uh, th- these kind of primary things. So what, what are your thoughts about how you're going to get the turnout? Right, because we're not going to have the turnout we had uh, for the general election. Neither side is going to. Okay. Uh, that's definitely going to be an issue. Um, but we have people going down there as well. Um, obviously, Stacey Abrams, I would argue, is a yeah. big reason why we're even in the position we're in right now. I think now. that's right. Yes. And um, another personal opinion for Rajat Harris, she needs to be rewarded for that, but (laughs) in some way, shape. So that's a little note to President-elect Biden. Uh, But I think she's going to play a big part in turning out that vote in Georgia uh, for the two Democratic candidates. But it's going to be it's going to be difficult because we're not going to have the turnout that we had before. Um, But it's important because, you know, that lies the, the power that means the Democratic Party would have the presidency, the House, and the Senate, which yeah. means more of uh, Joe Biden's agenda and the Democratic Party's agenda would more likely have a better shot of going through. I'm not saying it would be perfect, smooth sailing, but there would, there would be a better shot of getting it through. Plus the appointments. You yeah. talk about Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, would they have a better shot of being approved with the Democratic Senate or a Senate run by Mitch McConnell? So we have cabinet appointments, we have judge appointments. The Senate is extremely, extremely important. Yep, yep, that it is. But I guess, Jeffrey, one of part of the things that I'm concerned about is if shouldn't the president's attention now be there instead of continuing this what seems to be fruitless and just you know, nonsensical battle to, to try to maintain the White House. Shouldn't well, I don't think it's fruitless or nonsensical. I mean I I think, you know, Sidney Powell was coming out with chapter and verse today on this. I mean, I think this is very... How many weeks is this? How many weeks is this after the election? By now, we should... It's three weeks. Well, all I I can say is Al Gore went... Your friend, Jeffrey, it just doesn't look good. It looks... I mean, it looks like... Al Gore went for 37 days and nobody seemed to mind on the Democratic side. So I think Donald Trump can at least get the 37 days. 
But the situations were very different. We need to move past the denial stage of grief. I don't remember what the next stage is, but we have to move past denial. For argument's sake, say I, I, I believe you and there was something wrong with Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania goes to Trump. He still would need another state. And he lost Georgia after they did a recount and an audit. Now, I know the president is asking for another recount and audit, but the results are going to be the same. He lost this election. And and I, I really don't understand why Republicans are so upset, because overall, the Republican Party had a great election. You lost they, the presidency. They're, ups- they're upset, Rogette, because they think the election was stolen. That's why. I mean, I can tell you 73 million Americans out there think that this election was stolen, that their votes were negated, that they... And I would argue that President Trump is trying to steal it now instead of accepting results. It makes no sense that the Democrat Party would steal the election for one candidate and not for all of our other candidates. There's no, we did not want to lose seats in the House. That's right, we did is, not want to lose state legislatures. That a lot of these ballots are, are questionable. All right, so... So here John is asking, and what do you believe completed democratic control? I think he means complete democratic control. Will you, ladies? He's asking us, I guess. I'm not going to say the go, Democratic John. Party, but I'm so Rajette, if you were to get, if the Democrats were to get control of the Senate, what would that allow? What what is the vision there that this would bring? I'm not and again I'm not saying it would be smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. But there would be better opportunities for President-elect Biden to get <clears throat> his policies through. For example, health care. Mm-hmm. He campaigned on a public option. He has a better shot of getting that. And again, I'm not saying he would, but that would be a, a better uh, chance of getting that through a Democratic-controlled House and Senate than if one if we had it divided. Right. Right, right. Questions such as that. Student loan debt. Uh, the Democrat Party has ideas about helping eliminate uh, student student loan debt for uh, for individuals, even people on the front line with nurses and whatnot. We have a better shot of doing that with a Democratic-controlled House and Senate than if it's a divided government, because whether we like it or not, the two sides do not work well together, right. and it's not necessarily because of the issues. It's all for political ploy which is unfortunate. One of the things, one of the beneficial aspects of the American system is that when you are in complete control, you get the credit and you also get the blame. So That's true. If, if things go askew here, it is going to be Joe Biden and his party that get the blame. That's just the way it works. But at least we would have the opportunity. That's, that's, that's all that I'm saying. And we would have a better opportunity and part of the issue here, too, has been, uh, Jeffrey, your guys have had power for four years now and no, nothing's progressed on health care. I mean, even you have said by now they should have had an alternate plan. Yeah, I was disappointed in Ryan and uh, yeah. uh, the, the Republican House. They should have had this done on the spot. Uh, that was a disappointment. But why, on the why, other hand, why do you think that didn't happen? Is it just really that it is honestly a very hard thing to do? And you're yes. not going to get it has to be step by step. And maybe you just have to jump in there as, as, as Obama did and you know, something or what? I mean, I think I, I think it was Joe Biden himself who said that health care policy is more complex than foreign policy and national security. And I think there's something to that. Um, 
because you're dealing with with people's lives here and people right. don't want to lose the health insurance that they have. They don't want it taken away from them as it was in, right. with Obamacare. Uh, it just it is it is a mess. And it, and it is I mean, just think of our own individual lives and what we have to do in the time we have to spend to figure out our own health insurance situations. Right. Uh, every time I turn on the television, there is, God bless him, Joe Namath advertising <laughs> advertising for Medicare. And it always yep. sort of takes me aback that Joe, Joe Namath is, of, is eligible for Medicare. But, um, you know, it, it's a problem. So, yes, it, this is a very big deal. Let's see. And the Affordable Care Act is a great example. <clears throat> Because even though the Democrat Party controlled everything at that time, it was President Obama and the Democrat Party had the House and Senate. Uh, the president wasn't able to go for a public option there because of the debate within the Democrat Party, uh, right. which was which was better. So, you know, we, partly of why we have what we have is because that's that's what could get passed. That's why I'm not I'm saying it's not going to be smooth sailing. But instead of eliminating something that does have a lot of positive to it. With the Democrat Congress and Senate, we can at least improve on the parts that need improved. We all agree that it needs improved. The question is, why get rid of something that has good parts to it? Let's just fix the parts that need fixed. And that's a fundamental difference between the two parties. It is. And yet, I have to say, one of the things that I always have found common ground with Republicans about, uh, if they if, was, how are you going to pay for this stuff? <laughs> Fiscal responsibility. You know, a lot of our readers have brought this up. We do want student loan debt removed. We do want health care paid for. But where is the money? What's the plan to come up with this? Jeffrey, is that a concern? Do you see where the money would come from? And Rochelle, I'll ask you. No, no, I don't. Where it would come from. And yet, and yet, Jeffrey, we found a whole lot of money to just throw at people during this COVID-19, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is the way Washington D.C. works. I'm afraid to say and the, and it's, and the, it's and thoroughly bipartisan, which is what disturbs me. And the, the well, I was thinking of the Trump uh, tax cuts. How were they paid for? Uh, well, the Trump tax cuts are giving money back to the people who earned the money in the first place, instead of taking it and handing it out to Washington special interests, which is what Democrats love to do. Well, in some ways, healthcare is turning it back because you're giving people something for the. I mean, so, but the, the point is, you've got this ballooning budget deficit. You've, I mean, where honestly is money coming from? And and we can't say that Trump has, has been. A well, I know it won't happen, but I would uh, go with Ronald Reagan's suggestion to abolish the Department of Education and abolish the Department of Energy. Right there, you'd get rid of uh, tens of thousands of bureaucrats and all the salaries and the building and everything else and turn the money back to the American people. All right, well, there's one plan. <laughs> there's one plan. I don't know that Biden will back. All right. We'll yeah, I, I don't think Biden or anybody else, even Ronald Reagan, couldn't get rid of the Department of Education. But it is a legitimate question. As we look ahead, where is the money going to come from? We know that under in these past four years, the budget deficit has ballooned. It's not like uh, the the Republican mantra of watch your spending has at all been uh, heated. So right now, I guess, as we close our conversation on this, we know the transition is official. We've got this going on. So I'm just going to ask each one of you to kind of look ahead and see where do you see this going in the next few weeks as we 
head as we speed toward what is supposed to be inauguration day. Jeffrey, you want to start? There will be resolution of some kind. What it is, I, I don't know. I mean, when, once these states, and I don't mean being certified, I mean, you know, as I say, there's an investigation today by the Pennsylvania State Senate. So this isn't going away anytime soon. Do I expect it will be resolved in some form or fashion by January 20th? Yes, I do. Uh, but uh, I, I don't see it. I mean, we're already uh, tomorrow is uh, Turkey Day and nothing is resolved. And I don't think it will be resolved the day after Turkey Day either. That's right. Uh, Rajat, where do you see it going in the next few weeks? Um, I agree uh, with Jeffrey that uh, the Trump campaign is going to continue on with their, in my opinion, fruitless uh, uh, lawsuits. Um, on the Democrat Party side, though, we're going to continue to see the transition take place. Uh, President-elect Biden is going to continue um, giving us names of his cabinet picks um, for when he is inaugurated on January 20th. Uh, we can get started right away, get them approved, and hopefully get started. I would just employ our elected officials on both the state and federal level to really look at how people are suffering, especially during the holidays, and work together to get a second stimulus package together to try to, as more restrictions are put down because of the coronavirus, to help keep some of these small businesses afloat. Many of these small businesses will not reopen if there is a second shutdown. And I would ask my fellow Americans to please just wear a mask. A lot of this could be avoided if we all just wore a mask. Well, Rajat, that's a very good point because I'm even getting uh, comments from some of our readers of stores that don't let you in if you have a mask. So, which is completely baffling. And I would add, I would add in the spirit of uh, good humor, the Lone Ranger wore a mask and he never got the virus. <laughs> we can always count on you for another humor, Jeffrey. Thank you. Listen, I want to once again thank Jeffrey Lord, our Republican analyst, and Regette Harris, our Democratic analyst, for being capable of civil dialogue and discussion. And I want to thank our many readers. Some of you, you can't quite stop the vulgarity. That's okay. We will continue to model the behavior we would like to see in society. And we hope you can mimic that. Thank you for our for our folks who were able to offer decent and um, and thoughtful comments and questions. Dan, you don't have to be a part of this if you don't want it, but we really don't need the vulgarity. So with that, I will wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving, a safe Thanksgiving, and hopefully we will be able to unite soon as one nation under God. See you guys later. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.